Hey, song surfers, it's your friend John. Welcome to another edition of Song Surfing with Friends. If you're checking out the show for the first time, the usual format works like this. I, along with the show's correspondents, pick out tunes to create a playlist of independent music from around the world. On occasion, though, a guest joins me with some excellent tunes to play, and we chat about music, being creative, and life, etc. Joining me this episode, friends, I'm so excited about, we have Chicago-based singer-guitarist-songwriter Ian Lee. Ian's band Human Errors recently released an album called Super Hits, which I'm a huge fan of. It's direct, unpretentious, and it's full of memorable song after memorable song. Check out the Human Errors bio. Human Errors always show up on time and leave at a reasonable hour. Their favorite pizza topping is cheese, but they like others. Ian Lee, welcome to Song Surfing. Hey, John. Thank you for having me. And Ian, this is the first time, we were talking about this before the record, the first time I'm recording in person. Yeah, this is awesome. Uh, how do you feel about it? Uh, you know, it was a little different setting up all the equipment, but it, it was exciting. There there was a buzz to it. Definitely better than uh, messing with Zoom or whatever app I'm using for that particular record. Yeah, it's the worst. So I, I love your bio. I, I think it pretty perfectly represents what the band's all about. Where did that come from? I think I, it was just a late night, you know, revising of the Instagram bio. Doesn't really have too much to, to talk about other than uh, maybe just about what we think of us. Just like, I don't know, we're just here hanging out. We like pizza. <laughs> the songs are no frills, maybe working class roots. Just get in, get out, to the point. Just fun, little rock, little punk. Totally. Yeah, you nailed it. Two of us are in the trades. So, I mean, we are working class for sure. And uh, yeah, no frills, you know, nothing fancy. Now, where does that come from? Are there any bands that influenced you or you try to emulate you wish you could sound more like? Um, like so many, like, you know, Minutemen. Uh, there's a lot. There's there's That's a loaded question. I mean, there's so many different bands that we try to emulate. But yeah, I mean, definitely nothing like in the top 40s, you know, or bands that, you know, are trying to trying to be big just be, just to be big, you know. Right. So you say Minutemen and one of the best concerts, actually two of the best concerts, I, three of the best concerts oh I've been to were Mike Watt concerts. Oh man, he's the best, dude. Uh actually my dr Nick Olson, my drummer, our drummer, uh he was just talking about one of those bands he saw at uh Empty Bottle. No, yeah, um uh, Minutemen are great. Um, you know, but we're we're definitely a fan of the Kinks. We actually do used to do these uh, Halloween shows where we do like a bunch of Kinks covers, maybe a little bit faster, a little, you know, just more like straightforward. Didn't, like that was back when we were a three piece, so we didn't have the Dave Davies guitar licks. But I try to fill in as much as I can, you know. The thing I always rely on when I need to fill up sound when I play guitar in a stripped down setting is uh, delay. Definitely. Delay and reverb. Yes. <laughs> Is it the same for you? Uh yeah. I would be I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my MXR delay pedal. <laughs> yeah, there we go. How did uh how did you meet the other members of Human Errors? Well, the bass player Nick, he's my oldest friend in the band, and uh we worked together, lived together, um, and then eventually played together. He was actually just playing as a drummer on a cocktail kit, like a floor tom. I think we had a snare. Yeah, we had a snare and like a cymbal, uh, kind of like the Violent Femmes early stuff. 
I just had like a handful of songs that I never actually got to play out. And we played these really small things like at a friend's house or at my wife's uh, salon anniversary party, Heretics Die for Your Belief in Logan Square. I think we did like, mostly we're like doing open mics, but yeah, nothing nothing crazy. And then um, upstairs of the salon lived Nick Olson, our drummer. He was getting out of a band and he told my wife, he, he also uh, got his hair done at the salon. So he was telling my wife that he's looking for a band to start playing, playing around with. And once we played, uh, once we got together and played together, it was kind of crazy how it all fell into place like immediately we were just like railing songs one after another out like we wrote like 10 songs in like a month <laughs> and yeah it's incredible isn't it when you find uh folks who you really click with yeah right you don't even need to talk about much yeah <laughs> you yeah. just you, it just happens totally um and i was in another band and there that band was I really enjoyed being in that band as well, but there was less just kind of like fun hanging out vibes that uh, that I was kind of like looking for. Also, I was kind of looking for a band that I can just kind of purge my my songs out because the other band was we were more a collaborative band and just like the uh, just to be able to get rid of these songs that I've been writing, they weren't really for that band. So I, it was cool to actually play the songs that I was writing and the way I was I intended them to be played. You know. So when you found Nick the drummer, he was upstairs from your now wife's salon. Yes. Did you hear him drumming upstairs? Like I'm picturing just like ever stopping everyone at the salon, turning off the hair dryers, going, "Listen." No, no, he didn't actually have his kid upstairs because it was a, there. It was a, a an apartment complex, so uh, he had a space uh, actually off the da- the Damon Blue Line. Uh, this place is called Weirder Park, and it was a Great fun name little for spot. A rehearsal studio. Yeah, it was it was somebody else's apartment, but um, they let us. It was. It was gigantic, but they let us use the back room for a studio or rehearsal space. Yeah, it was fun actually. Like a lot of the, all of that uh, momentum came from us playing in that room. It was just really like a creative space, and you know the train was literally like five feet away from the the window, <laughs> from the platform too. So like we'd be playing for like people coming or going to work, you know. <laughs> And getting a lot of feedback. Not never like anything terrible, but like, you know, sometimes like you suck or like, <laughs> I mean, I don't care, but you know, most of it was good though. That's how you know you're onto something. Yeah. <laughs> if we can get somebody to say anything to us, you know. Now, which of the members has the recording studio? That would be Kevin. He was, he came in the same way he, uh, that Nick came in. He was talking to me about wanting to play in bands again and. I've kind of wanted to have a second guitar player. and Did you have to change the songs much to add the second guitar? Yeah, a little. No, no, not not like the bass of the songs, no. But, you know, when you, when you put another guitar part into it, it kind of does naturally change the song. But it, it was pretty organic. And uh, what recording studio is that? Because that's where you record your stuff now, right? That's where we record now, yeah. Uh, well, that's where we recorded Super Hits. And uh, yeah, we recorded it at uh, Uphill Recording Services. And uh, that's in Norwood Park, 
Uh, it's a really rad spot. And, and uh, what's the name again? Uphill Recording Services. All right. So any Chicago area bands, if you want to get your demo recorded, that's a good place to check out. Yeah. It's uh, above like a auto body shop. It's, it, you know, it's an, it's an unassuming spot to have a studio, but you walk up these stairs and it's just like this glorious room full of, uh, you know, any, pretty much anything you could, you could ever need for, for a rock band, you know, it's just got the, the, this, this room full of amps and guitars and he's got a beautiful control room that he's start, that he's been building for uh, years, decades. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's really fun and it's like it's professional, you know the sound the quality is very professional, but it's also like you're recording at home. You know, it's just a very uh, welcoming room. Take your shoes off and That's have super some coffee. Important. Yeah. Oh yeah, big time. You don't want to be all in your head when you're yeah. spending money to record something. Yeah, and you're yeah you know, you're never you never feel rushed. I mean, we don't feel rushed because he's in the band and right. he's recording us and he loves it. You know, but like. I, I've I've been there with with him doing other bands, you know, just kind of being hands uh, to help out. But yeah, no, he's never like trying to like push you out. If you want something to do, like if if you want something crazy to do, he's gonna try and make it work out for you. Let's uh, let's get into the the music that you selected, and then in the second half, we're gonna get more into how you got started in music, your songwriting process, all that stuff. The first tune that you selected is by the band The Rubs. It's called Wrong Right Girl, and it's from the album Impossible Dream. And here's what the band provided. Joey Rubbish must be stopped, but it's too late for that. As the architect, that's a great opening for a bio. (laughs) As the architect of every note on this immaculate new LP, he joins the ranks of other groundbreaking modern home recording luminaries, all able to cover every instrumental note recorded, as well as the vocals and recording. So I, I love that this song has um, this punk intensity, but it's with acoustic guitar being the the driving rhythm instrument. Yeah, no, totally. Um, it's power pop, man. It's like the, it's kind of it kind of encompasses all genres. Uh, <laughs> that's what I like about power pop so much. Actually, is uh, it, it's got its roots of country, punk, you know, proto metal, even you know, with like Thin Lizzy. Yeah. The Rubs are great too. We played with them at. Uh, this place called East Room. It's not there anymore. But yeah, no, totally. He's got like this Ramones, this Ramones quality, but also like jumps around like the 60s, you know, the 60s, like Easy Beat, uh, Electric Prunes, uh, you know, into the 70s or like early Elvis Costello. Obviously, there's a lot of that in there. And do you feel that's similar to what, to me, the music doesn't sound like human errors, but maybe in the, in the sense that they're drawing from a lot of the same sources would, would is that fair to say definitely yeah and i think in our first album there was a lot of similarities just kind of that straightforward punk no frills like you were saying earlier but really melodic and pop driven so song surfers this will be wrong right girl by the rubs and then i'll be back after that with more with ian lee this baby's gonna take me home or maybe someone we can
Hey, 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 we are back. We just listened to The Rubs with Wrong Right Girl, and I'm here with Ian Lee of Human Errors. Hello again, Ian. Hello again. All right, let's get into another song. So the second one you chose for the song surfers to hear is by the band Ethers. Ethers is Russ Calderwood, Bo Hansen, Mary McCain, and Tim Thomas, former members of Heavy Times, Radar Eyes, Outer Minds, The Runnies, and The Swaves. Mary told me we're getting back to playing shows in Chicago and recording our second full-length album next month, which is actually about the time that we're recording this interview. So Song Surfers, in the coming months, be on the lookout for that. So Ian, I love the sustained intensity on this song, which comes, I think, from the, the band staying on one chord for a really long stretch, and that just builds and builds and builds. And the keyboard parts um, are distorted and... I'd say it's like slithering sounding and just kind of burrow in your brain. Uh, I love Oregon's that uh, it makes any song sound like it could give it like, like just make it sound really poppy or it can make it sound spooky or, you know, and, and this, uh, this band, so Mary's playing is, is awesome. And it kind of does both throughout the whole album. Um, and I picked this song in this album or this, this band uh, just cause it's a super group of bands that I was playing, or I was listening to and seeing uh, from like 08 to 2012. And it just kind of always brings me back to this like awesome period of my life where I was just doing nothing but going to see bands and living like in DIY spaces and traveling all like from one end of the t of the city to the other just to see you know to see local local music um and you know these bands particularly uh sometimes same night sometimes the same show you know <laughs> we're playing you know all the the runnies uh outer minds heavy times sometimes at my house they were they, you know they were, they were playing in the basement and uh all they this band sounds like all of those bands in one you know it, all right, cool. So let's take a listen to Ethers with the song CBD. Yeah. 
Tell me about living in DIY spaces. I don't know. There was just like this huge surge of DIY spaces uh, in like Logan Square. Do you mean literally like? Oh, so like DIY. Just going to a lot. Uh, well, I was living them, living in them, and going to them. But yeah, like DIY uh, shows, like just in your house, doing like five dollar donations at the door and dollar beers to keep the. Like rent party kind of exactly (laughs) yeah Yeah. yes yeah Um, and just like. The bands that were playing were, you know, I'd pay twenty dollars to see, you know, in a in a real venue, um, but I didn't have to. I was going in for five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was something really kind of special about that, you know, like the idea that music should be free and and be available for maybe even somebody that's too young to go to a bar and go see a band that they liked. You know, they can just go see them at this party. And, I think that's 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 amazing, and if if it if I get why you can't have it, you know, people got to eat, um, and the more famous you get, you know, the more people you got to pay. I don't know, but um, when you can have it, I it's something to really, really behold. It's fun to play those kind of shows. Oh man, the energy is incredible. And having the audience two feet from you. Yeah, uh, usually they're the they're, they're the rowdiest shows. When we were hosting shows in our basement, uh, we we were living in a place called the Bloodline in uh, Logan Square, and uh, the ceiling wasn't too high up, so like people were dancing and crowd surfing, and like literally there'd be footsteps, footprints on the ceiling. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we awesome. we would have to we would pack that place, and it was small too. So like, yeah, it was just a lot of fun and high energy. Let's get into your past how did you get started Uh with music (laughs) tell me about your past ian Uh, how did you get started in music it's kind of always been around me my mom has always been into music you know she's always had records and cds around and uh, what's one you remember hearing a lot of uh, a lot of the clash a lot of the ramones kind of grew up with those two bands in particular Uh, that's not like what you'd think of as being typical mom music no no actually the the typical parent music that you know like the beatles or the stones i didn't actually end up getting into until i was a teenager and like 
founding it my own way. Um, yeah. But yeah, my mom was, you know, she was in the, the punk scene when she was a teenager and she had me young. So I kind of grew up with that. And then, you know, came, we listened to the music with the times, you know, like Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know, all Offspring, Nirvana, you know, bands like that we grew up with. I really uh, liked those first. I remember listening to those first two, I think, Offspring albums a ton. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, Green Day, too. Like, yeah. the, those, that first out, that first record, the first two records are really fun and good. I don't mind the, uh, I think Warning, it was the last record that I, that I actually enjoyed. But I wouldn't say I hate the rest of it. But it's just kind of, I kind of lost interest in it, you know. But yeah, no, uh, I've always been around music. Playing music, aside from picking up saxophone in the third grade, I didn't get started in playing, like, guitar until I was, oh, let's see, eighth grade. I, like, found my mom's old PV guitar in her in her uh, closet, and she's like, all right, I'll show you a song, and tell me what you think. If you want to keep playing, we'll buy you a guitar, and I really liked it, and uh, it was a Ramon song, and then, like, a Metallica song, or, like, part of a Metallica song. Yeah, I just kind of kept, I kept, I kept going with it, and I tried my hardest to figure out how the hell you put your fingers on those frets without or how you, how you slide with your w- w- slide your fingers without getting burned and eventually got calloused up and moved to bass which you you should know because you were my bass teacher in high school yeah that's how Ian and I originally met I was a uh, student teaching at the time at the high school that Ian was going to and then afterward I wound up you wound up doing guitar guitar lessons or bass lessons for a little time like private lessons bass lessons because uh, I wanted to be in the jazz band oh okay yeah All right. And uh, Chuck, he I think he he did he pay you? I don't I don't know who paid you to be my bass teacher. I hope you got paid. <laughs> if it was uh, if it was at the school, it was, that was just my internship. Okay, right. But I, I I thought that I remembered working with you at the music studio in the area too that I worked at. Uh, yeah, you had uh, this was after we'd been uh, do, taking lessons together, and uh, you had asked me if I wanted to sub in uh just play bass for uh a, like a school of rock thing that you had oh right okay curated or made uh, just it was it was something that you were doing yeah the student student rock bands yeah and uh that was fun that was a lot of fun i really liked that you know teaching kids how to play music and just not not just like teaching them how to play like scales or something but like giving them the freedom to like l- learn their songs that they like to listen to and like play them in a, in a band and like have everybody sync up like that. It's awesome. I remember the first time I had, to, I, I got to do that. Uh, it just, it was so fun and made, it just like made sense, you know, it, when it, and it's hard to do that. It's hard to make sense before you know how to play your instrument, like how, how to, how to make other instruments to come together. Yeah. And just just to realize that it's possible, yeah, is a huge thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, like when did you first realize that you could write your own music? It was kind of like after high school. There's this documentary. I don't know if you if you know uh, the band Brian Jonestown Massacre. Yeah. Yeah. So there was this documentary that I watched uh, called Dig. And I'm sure anybody who knows that band knows the the documentary. It kind of got big from that. Or they got more recognition from that, but um, I was like, man, these songs are so killer, and like, they're not that hard, they're not that complicated, 
uh, you know, just a couple chords and reverbed out vocals. I think I could do it. And I ended up going in the garage and started banging out some some chords that I liked. And then I wrote some lyrics down and I was like, okay, that's not that, that's not that bad. And I, and I didn't like my voice at all, but I was like, if I'm going to do it, I have to like be able to like my voice or like deal with my voice. So, <laughs> you know, I just, uh, tried to sing as loud as I can. And then after the years go went by, I calibrated a little bit. Yeah. Just kind of rolled with it. Do you remember any of your early songs? No, and I'm, I really hope no one else does either, because <laughs> they were so bad. I was talking with um, my friend uh, Ryan. Uh, the listeners know him as Clock. He's one of the correspondents on the show. But we we were both in the our first band uh, was together. We were in how do I say that? We were our first band was the same band. Right. We were in our first band together. Uh, it took a long time to get there, and. We were talking the other day about uh, the first show that we played, and he has a, a video of it. And I said, "Have you watched?" And he goes, "Oh God, no!" <laughs> <laughs> like we're both too too embarrassed by it because you know it's it's bad. I mean, how old are you? It's, we were we were older, um, eighteen, I think. We both got in, got started playing a little a little older. Like I didn't start playing guitar till I was fifteen, almost sixteen, mm-hmm. and then didn't start playing in bands or anything like that until like senior in high school. Like around that time. So it was that summer after high school that yeah. we played our first show. It's kind of, it's a hard age to have your first show because we knew that we sucked. You know, like we were old enough to realize that it didn't sound good. Yeah. But, you know, you still do it, right? You still have that that drive to do it and that's how you get better. But, man, I, I have no interest in ever going back and hearing that again. <laughs> well, I, th- I think it's funny because when you're when you're a teenager... And you're in a band because I was in I was in bands in, in high school. I never like wrote any songs. I was just like a bass player, a rhythm guitar player. But we thought we were the shit, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny that like because you like like we were saying like you don't you don't think it's possible to do it until you're doing it, and you're like and the, and the fact that you can do it, there's like it's like you know discovering something like discovering like a new element. <laughs> and like like they're like no one else is doing this we're we're the only ones doing this trailblazers exactly oh man and uh yeah uh, it's funny now to like be so much better well i don't know about better but you know more like synced in th- than you were i guess caring more about like how you sound uh and then looking back at that and like wow <laughs> what i found with um playing now and recording now is it can be a challenge to not have things sound too good mm. <laughs> i guess you know to like keep that rawness to it definitely keep that uh like that initial impulse right right you know, yeah especially you with it. recording at home when you can just do the same thing 40 times if you really want to right and th- those early early days i mean that that rawness is there totally whether you want it to be or not yeah, and you and you do want that, especially when you're when you're much older and you like have your sound down. You 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 don't want it to be too polished, you know. No one no one wants that. Let's talk about your your songwriting process. Do you do you write all the songs in Human Errors? Do you write them together as a band? Uh, up until this last record, yes, uh, we wrote. I wrote the songs and then I brought it to I bring it to the band and kind of give them a a guide to where I want 
the song the song to sound and it's usually pretty close to where I want but I do I don't like nitpick or anything what kind of things do you say to guide them um well I'll usually like just like give uh Nick Fisher the bass player like the my idea of the bass line and he'll be like okay well I like I like that but I'm probably gonna do it this way and and I'll be like okay cool whatever uh with the drums uh man it's terrible i'm the i'm the stereotypical do this yeah (laughs) but right here like (laughs) oh he loves it um (laughs) but i don't really have to tell him that tell them much you know like they're 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 really good at their instruments and they we're also like really close um you know as friends so we kind of like know what we're talking about without talking about it you know and and you know Kevin too. He's he's really talented, and he's been in bands for his whole life too. And yeah, so it doesn't take to, a lot to put the songs. That, together. Not really, man. Yeah, like, yeah. If I if I write the if I write the song, it takes like maybe a less than one practice to to actually like iron it out, and we have like That's a really finished fast. product. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have the a lot of times the full? concept and sound of the song in your head or do you also bring in like pretty unfinished things and see what the band does with it when i write a song it's just on an acoustic guitar and i'll uh so it's pretty raw i don't have anything any like i have ideas in my head of like oh yeah maybe like a harmony right here or or i'll be like i'll write out a a solo part for this later we'll get we'll be, we'll get back to that i'll jump back in on that but but you're um, not recording like a demo on garage band that's got all the no, parts and everything mm-mm, okay no and that what i was saying earlier um up until now that it was only me uh kevin you know he's also a songwriter we were able to get one of his songs that he had from a previous band onto this record uh, oh which one been so long oh i love that song yeah, yeah. i do too actually yeah it's uh, one of my favorite songs on the record and uh yeah, that's him. That's that's his song, and he's he's singing it. Well, I thought that Ian sounded a little different on that song, so that that totally. <laughs> it's funny makes though. Sense. It's yeah, it's kind of funny. We do have a similar voice on the record. I don't know if that is just editing or, uh, but yeah, or or if that, that was him kind of calibrating his voice to sound like mine. But um, in the the harmonies, because he does a lot of the harmonies on there too. Maybe it's just that you've hung out so much that you're starting to talk and sound the same maybe i mean people do that right like you pick up on your friend's mannerisms that's why people talk with regional accents for sure yeah is it too much to think that a band might no not at all absorb each other (laughs) absorb (laughs) like amoebas (laughs) (laughs) no you know uh it's all the same you know it's like anything else if you're if you do it enough it's gonna end up being yeah it's gonna you're gonna meld together so when a lot of times when I write a song, especially if it's with a guitar or piano, I usually don't have the lyrics to start with. Sometimes I do, and that's like, you know, a gift when that happens. But often it's more melody ideas and sort of like an idea of what I want the, what I think the song should be, like tempo-wise, energy-wise, that kind of thing. And mm. then I'll strum chords, mumble sing until some stuff kind of flows and sticks, and then I'll write words around that. What kind of stuff do you do? I guess I'll just kind of fiddle around with with chords until I like like a a series of of chords and then I'll write uh, I'll either write lyrics for it or I'll pick apart some lyrics that I, old lyrics that I had written and never used and 
see if anything fits. I don't know. It's not really like a, this this magical process. I I, I don't. I, I just kind of like see what fits, and if I like it, if it sounds, if it's got that like pop sound, that, <laughs> then I'll I'll stick with it or I'll I'll roll with it. But I really so can't. it it often starts with a chord progression, though. Yeah, almost always. Yeah, I never. I'm never like humming uh, lyrics in my head and then like oh, okay i gotta find out the chords for it it's usually like me just sitting on my couch playing guitar and i'm like oh yeah i like that that's cool uh well how does a chord progression work or not work for you it all comes from pop music you know it's just that basic not basic just like the standard you know like c d g c d g and then is that good or bad <laughs> if it's standard or I like it. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Like, I, I, I think that that applies. Um, one thing I do always try to do is throw a minor in there in, in every song. Yeah. <laughs> it always needs a minor. Minor at four. A, <laughs> at a bridge or, you know, uh, like in the chorus. Yeah, always needs a minor. Um, I don't really know what makes a good chord progression, but you hear it. You know it when you hear it. Something that's got a little zing to it or... Or some maybe something a little unexpected, but you know it kind of it all comes back to the the bulk uh, sound, the bulk chord progression. I've been finding myself writing a lot of songs using the one and the four chord, mm. you know, and it's so it's now on, on my on my latest songs that I'm working on. I'm trying to consciously avoid that because I think it's although I've been doing different stuff with the melody, it's kind of makes them sound a little too samey if I were to put them all together on the same EP. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I always kind of admired that in bands, you know, like a band, like when, when a band has a thing, even if it's like just a chord, like the kinks, they've got their chord progression that, you know, they've done. Yeah, that you really got me. Yeah, exactly. And that they've done and changed and made this, you know, like revisited through their whole career <laughs> as a band, like even in their like late seventies stuff, they've still like, will find a way to slip that chord progression in there in a song but uh i don't know i i always i always seem to like that and i i i don't know if we have that uh, like a thing you know um maybe it's for the fans to decide. yeah yeah I, yeah I, I don't have time to dig into my <laughs> when you're um coming up with your lyrics is there a, a, any certain type of thing that inspires you Love, big one. Death, it's another big one. Um, nature. Heavy topics. Yeah. You're not just writing songs about drinking beer. No. Uh, I've tried that, and I just didn't take myself seriously. Like, I, I, I didn't take it, like, I wasn't feeling it, you know? I can, you know, but I'd, I don't like to... Um, I don't like to make jokes about my songs, you know, uh, like, like at least in, for this band, you know, if I was in like a beer drinking punk band, uh, that like just wanted to play loud and party and stuff like uh, hell yeah, let's do it. But, uh, for this band, yeah, I don't know. I, I like to put thought into not only like what I'm, not not what I'm saying, but like how it's being said. But yeah, no, I mean, I just kind of just think about 
just like anything other than like my life, like or like topics that like uh, that are really like involved in my life, you know. You write about topics that are important to your life. No, I I try to avoid that. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's kind of like an escape. I try not to talk about too much about my life. This is actually this this record is the most that I've talked about. Like childhood home is actually about my childhood home, but I don't ever I don't have any other songs be behind that that I've done that. Is Harold's number thirteen? Is okay. that referring to Harold's chicken? Uh, yeah, that was, that came up because I wrote a song, I wrote the song, um, and that was actually about gun violence. Right. And, uh, we decided to throw another bar in there at the end. I don't know if you caught that, but so it's like not 12 bar blues, it's a 13 bar. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And, uh, Nick Fisher is like, Hey, it's like Harold's 13, like number 13. And we were like, Oh, that's the name of the song. (laughs) <laughs> no real it has no meaning to like what the song is about but well you know what it gets you thinking though you know i was wondering about it enough to want to ask you about it good yeah no we, so at least we're, we're, we're talking about it who are your favorite songwriters um you know your standard dylan um a lot of folk you know uh actually uh i've been really digging uh michael hurley i don't know if you're familiar i don't know michael hurley yeah, he's uh, one of the, like, considered, like, the uh, outsider folk artist. Um, what, uh, what, what era? 60s. Um, but he's been doing stuff uh, throughout his whole life. When I started, when I started writing songs, I was listening to a lot of Dylan. Um, For the lyrics? What, what was the appeal there? Uh, yeah, just the way he can, like, roll, like, just rap a a bunch of words on one chord it's like it's endless yeah yeah (laughs) you can how many times you can rhyme and i know yeah yeah, it's it's, wild it's incredible some bands i like for the sound you know like a like a led zeppelin but i can't i can't get at all into what their songs are about but i really enjoy like the music and robert plant's vocals are great i just completely tune out the words sure so when you listen to music uh is it what do you li- gravitate toward most? Is it lyrics? Is it the music? Or you know, because we're talking about it's definitely not the lyrics. Um, I'm definitely more involved in like the, the sonically how it sounds. You know, um, yeah, no, like it, I'm I'm listening to just like any irregularity uh, in irregularities. What's the word? <laughs> Uh, irregularities irregularities (laughs) woo Um, yeah irregularities I'm listening to that and you know what makes it what makes the song stand out if it's just like pulling off like a little seventh on on, on one just on one bar you know uh, and that they don't do it for that whole for the rest of the song like it's just kind of just there it's like a little easter egg you know uh that's what i look for i mostly is like like something something to stand out yeah what's a lesson you've learned along the way you've played in a lot of bands right and you've been doing this for uh quite some time now so something you've learned um something i've learned i've learned to especially playing live never stop playing 
<laughs> you know, like it, like if you if you mess up, you can't stop. Oh, you mean like during the song? During a during a show, you kind of you just have to learn how to have fun and not let that stop you. Because when I when I started playing in front of people, I was like a nervous wreck. I'm, like I'm sure anybody else was when they first started playing. Oh, yeah. And it, if I stopped or if I if I fucked up, then I couldn't play the rest of the song. Like I would be completely lost. And it would just ruin the entire mood of that. Maybe not the the set, but that song is definitely thrown out. Um, I, that, that's what I learned is how to just like, just let it roll off and keep going and never, yeah, never stop. Yeah, keeping your keeping cool, your cool, right? Yes. Keeping your composure during, <laughs> you know, not panicking is is hard. Yeah. How did you just come from experience, or did you? How did you get around that? Um. Yeah, I just, I, th- I think I just might have fucked up enough times to... <laughs> to not care much yeah. anymore. <laughs> or just to, to have it maybe not be unique, right? It doesn't seem as big if it's happened All right, yeah. multiple times. Yeah. A lot of it, too, is like in the beginning, I was, we weren't really playing for that many people. And I was like, okay, well, it's not really a big deal if I'm messing up in front of these eight people that are sitting at the bar... And they probably didn't even notice. They don't even notice. And, you know, they always usually, they always tell you at the end of the show, like, hey, your set was great. Yeah. Unless and, you stop the song. Exactly. And tell like, them, oh, whoops. Except for that one part where you completely ruin the the vibe. <laughs> I saw, uh, do you know the band Mud Honey? Yeah. So I saw them um, a long time ago and they played one of their songs off their first album. And I, I think they hadn't played it in a while. And there's a, a kind of a signature thing that the drummer does to kick in when the the rest of the band comes in and he was missing it he forgot what it was and so they restarted the song like five or six times they handled it well because they didn't panic at all they were laughing about it Mm. and it just it was fun for the audience you know this total mistake just became part of the show yeah and that's cool too yeah if you can make it fun for everybody like when you're when you mess up then i think you're doing your job yeah as, uh, but if you're gonna like throw a tantrum or like completely like shell up because of a mistake, then I don't know if it's a good thing that to be playing in front of a live audience because that's not what they're paying to see. Yeah. Can you share any tips? We've got a, a number of um, od- people in the audience that are aspiring musicians or in bands. Any tips for writing music, being more creative? Um, in a band? Yeah, no, uh, I'd say don't be too hard on yourself, especially with songwriting. Like if you don't, if you can't write a song in five minutes, it's not, that, that never happens, you know, um, write as much as you can down. Even if you don't even think you want to use it, save it. Do you do voice, voice memos? I do voice memos. Yeah. Um, um, but I just have like a lot of notes and just parts of songs that I will eventually like if I'm stumped on a song that I like have like 90% complete and I need some, I need like one extra line. I'll just dig through my notes and be like, Oh, that makes, yeah, that kind of fits. <laughs> it's all a puzzle for me. So, I mean, I don't know if this helps anybody else, but for me, this is what I, how I work. It's surprising how many times that works. Yeah, it does help. It gets me out a lot of jams. Yeah, so I'd say, yeah, write as much as you can, even if you don't want to use it. 
All right. How about your song? So we're going to play Been So Long by, by Human Errors. So wait, who was singing this one? Kevin. That's Kevin. All right. So you can tell Kevin. I love the vocals. There's a, a grittiness to, to his voice that, that's wonderful. And I love the looseness of the, the backing vocals, too. And I don't mean loose in, as like a, a, a negative, right? But it's, it sounds off the cuff. You know, it's that, I guess, that, that rawness that we were talking about earlier. There's a, a, just a, a fun, loose energy to it. Right. Um, He's going to love that. Yeah, well, I, Cause he, I, cause... I love listening to it. <laughs> the way it's performed has the effect of sounding like we're getting to listen in on some friends having fun jamming on a song. Uh, in the best possible way. Yeah, uh, that's exactly what we were going for. That what he was going for. He made sure that we knew like this is this is like a exile on Main Street, you know, in the basement kind of recording. Right. Like he wants it to sound like that kind of Stones heroin era. Now that you say that, yes, perfectly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I hear that. Yep. I didn't put I didn't make the connection before. Yep. No. So I guess we nailed it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So anything else you want to say about that or should we just play it for the song surfers? No, I'd say let it speak for itself. Anything you want to plug or where can people find your music and follow you? Yeah. So we're on we're streaming on all the medias uh I think except for Amazon. You can find us on Instagram uh on the don't panic records and distro Bandcamp, uh that's who put out super hits uh they're great friends of ours and super rad distro and record label yeah they got some other cool bands too that they're distributing yeah um and they they keep they keep growing i mean they're 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 not even taking any any bands right now i don't think because they're just swamped wow. which is great you know they're very busy uh yeah no we don't have any shows right now because our bass player has been out of town uh he he's been going back and forth la to chicago so it's kind of been hard but he is coming back and we're gonna start booking for the summer okay awesome look out. Uh, looking forward to catching catching one of those shows before they're recording and song surfers uh no i've talked about this before because it happens frequently but i missed your performance at uh empty bottle recently uh it was kind of a, a big show for you right and i missed it because of a freaking migraine yeah well it was loud so you probably wouldn't have enjoyed it <laughs> <laughs> not in not in the condition i was in now but i'm gonna catch you one of these days yeah for sure yeah ian lee thanks so much for being here you did great all right thanks for having me john all right take care all right all right song surfers here is human errors with been so long and then special treat when we come back ian has his guitar he's going to play a song live in the song surfing studio
cemetery Lost but I'm still free Cause I don't have bills Just time to kill Count tombstones in three I'm sitting in a cemetery Can't stand on my own two feet Yeah they disappeared But my head's still here Dancing on a shallow grave I'm dancing on a shallow Thanks for listening to Song Surfing, and thanks to Ian Lee and all of the artists and bands who were a part of this episode. You can find the links to all of the music on the show notes page of songsurfingpodcast.com. And friends, if you haven't listened to Human Error's Super Hits album yet, you have to listen to it. It's so good. It's going to be on my uh, end of year top 10 list for sure. I love it. You can follow Song Surfing on Facebook and Instagram by searching Song Surfing Podcast, all one word. Follow on Twitter, Song Surfing Pod. You can follow me on Instagram, just search Oodles Music. If you want to help me improve the show, then please rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, the Podcast Addict app, or Spotify. If you're not sure what to say, suggesting an episode that people check out first is a, a great thing. Tell them what your favorite is. Or you can tell them a favorite artist that uh, you've heard on the show or who one of your favorite guests has been. The opening theme of the show is Living in a Fishbowl by Josh Ween and the outro music is Little Pills by Patrick Moonbird. Oh, my cat is jumping on me. (laughs) Hi, Dinah. So, I should say my name's John Kell and... See you next time.